It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to a, uh, a very special edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I'm your host, as always, David, and uh, I have my buddy Chris on the other line. And Chris, we've uh, been looking forward to this one for a while, haven't we? Yeah, um, it's a happy day for you, your obsession. You get to talk about it, your new obsession. Well, it's also a day that you probably thought would never happen. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to get you to venture off into a little bit more of the goth, the synth pop, um, whatever you want to call it, post-punk, all those combos. Not really your wheelhouse. Well, when this uh, when this episode airs, I'm going to take a picture of all the Cure stuff I've bought in the last month and uh, post it online, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite impressive. I've spent a lot of money during the quarantine uh, propping up Robert Smith and the rest of the band. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, this week uh, is really special for us. When we started this podcast, I think it was after we did an Afghan Wigs episode, a gentleman from Norway uh, contacted us and uh, said how much he enjoyed the episode. And, uh, and he's just always really kind to uh, uh, offer uh, good comments our way and... Um, uh, he, he, you know, he helps us out on social media and, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like he's Chris's spirit animal. Uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, they seem to have this like weird music connection to where, uh, they, they see things the same way, which is cool. So, uh, for Digital Kill the Radio starts our first time to go international from Norway, Rune Trellwick. That's correct. Hi. So Rune, how's it going today? It's going all right. How are you guys? Awesome. Oh, we yeah, uh, doing well, man. Good to have you on. Yeah, yeah, it's Thank good to you. have you on. Thank you, first of all, for uh, all your support of the podcast. We uh, we we really uh, really appreciate that. You uh, you're always faithful to chime in and uh, and retweet or whatever, and we really appreciate that. Pleasure is all mine. You're doing a good show, so gotta support that. Uh, well, Thanks, uh, man. yeah, yeah, we really do appreciate that. And, <laughs> and like we said, uh, you and Chris have a lot more probably musical stuff in common than, than necessarily you and I and. Uh, we uh, we mention you every now and then when Chris finds some uh, atmospheric death metal band or whatever. He'll be like, "I wonder if Rune knows about him or whatever." So uh, it's something bizarre, yeah, the, the really bizarre atmospheric. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and also too, when we get into this list, I, I, I told he told me David told me he said I was kind of surprised there wasn't more early cure. I said I'm not really. I said just because you're where you go. Like I expected more of the dreary atmospheric you know they didn't do that right when they started 
You know, no, like 10, 15 Saturday night. I mean, that's just post-punk. Right. So I wasn't exactly. really surprised. But yeah, but yeah, I, he definitely has some. He definitely has some out there taste, like I do. But then more of the mainstream, like I think um, Afghan wigs. That's I, I see Runes wearing the shirt. I don't feel like yeah. they're anything bizarre. No, not at all. Not at all. So, Rune, what what are some of your other interests? Uh, musical interests. I mean, I know we, you know, you're into like some of the atmospheric. I, it's not technically death metal, but but some of that kind of stuff. What are some of your other interests? Musically, I uh, I have this solo project going on called uh, A Veil of Water, and that's basically just me and the piano and some guitar stuff. Um, the funny thing is, I don't really listen to a lot of that piano stuff. It just kind of happened, and I. Uh, released two albums and it was uh, successful so i kind of just went with it but i'm listening to a lot of like post rock i'm listening to a lot of um lately i've been listening to a lot of um american aquarium which uh, chris introduced me to um the new album lamentations is amazing and uh, i don't know what it is about the i've never been a big fan of like americana or country or anything but after uh, American Aquarium, I got into Coulter Wall and stuff like that, you know, so I've been just exploring a lot of that uh, that sound lately. Well, we didn't know that you'd put out music. Where can people find that? You can just, uh, you can find it on Bandcamp and uh, you can find it on Facebook, SoundCloud. Okay. And what, uh, what was the name of the project again? A Veil of Water. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, American so, yeah. Aquarium. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you really connected with them. I, I, and I see what you say too. Like it, it's never if it's never really connected before. They're a little bit different, you know. They're kind of almost like um, you could almost say they're they're uh, more twangy, uh, gaslight in a way. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's it's that same kind of passion that like the that uh, BJ sings with that Fallon does. Uh, the lyrics. I mean, great lyricist, just like Fallon is. Just a lot of raw emotion in it, and I think there's a really good similarity between the two, though the music's not exactly the same. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I've been always, I've always been one who's more interested in the music part than the lyrics part. But with, uh, but with American Aquarium and Brian Fallon, for that matter, their lyrics are so strong; they just really speak to me, and I connect to them. So the whole thing just comes together. I agree, and just like I said, the, the passion that they put off, that the way that they emote. Uh, you guys can do it. I mean, you, you listen to some like BJ Barham. Yeah, he's not a technically gifted vocalist, but what he does, it is absolutely amazing. Like if you listen to his covers that he's done on Instagram, they're not always yeah. the best. They're not always the best songs, but <laughs> doing his own, he sounds so good at that. Have yeah, you, he has a way of uh, speaking to you. Have you ever tried the drive-by truckers? I've heard you talk about them a lot, and I've only heard like a couple of songs here and there. I haven't really deep dived into them, but uh, I'm going to do that. I think you, I think you would like them. They're, they have a lot in common with American Aquarium, as far as sonically, they're a little more of a big, of, of a kind of a rock band, but like deeply personal, uh, you mm-hmm. know, really, really good lyrics. But I've actually been listening to a band, and I, I'm 99% sure they're from Norway a lot lately, called Airbag. <laughs> have you ever heard of them? Yeah, yeah, I heard of them. They're from uh, Norway. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they're a Pink Floyd ripoff. I mean, but uh, yeah, but it, but it, uh, <laughs> but it sounds great. But uh, if people haven't picked up yet, our um, topic this week is going to be the Cure. Now, uh, Chris and I've talked a lot on this podcast about how uh, when we were in college and even after college, 
we thought we had a whole lot more in common musically than than we actually do. We just have these artists that kind of we kind of weave in and out of, and then uh, we kind of go in our own directions of things. And um, one of the differences of opinion we would have had three years ago when we started this podcast was the Cure. I'd been like, man, they suck. You know, it's just depressing. I want to stick my head in a wood chipper. And like a lot of things, and Chris has learned, like you can't push stuff on me. I have to, I have to come to it on my own. He had told me about Gaslight Anthem for for years, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I hurt my foot, had to go to the doctor. Uh, was 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 uh, not bedridden, but stuck in a you know where I couldn't walk for a couple of days. I said I'm going to give that 59 sound a try again. Boom, got hooked. I have everything they own, everything Brian Fallon does. Love them. And he, he, he'd been pushing the cure on me for a while. And uh, I got disintegration like probably about a year ago. And I liked it. I, it wasn't something that I was like obsessed with or whatever. But then when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, I watched that performance. The first song they played was a song off the album, uh, The Top, Shake Dog Shake. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. Like this is more than just like synth, you know, and goth and stuff like that. So that kind of like wet my appetite. And about two or three months ago, um, Chris recommended me buying uh, The Head on the Door. And I bought it on vinyl and loved it. And next thing you know, I got Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. And, and anyway, I've gone down the rabbit hole. And for like literally like the last two months, it's probably 95% of what I've listened to. And I've started reading uh, Lowell Tolhurst's book. And uh, I probably have eight albums on vinyl. And they have moved me in a way that honestly, it's been a lot since it's been since Gaslight Anthem that uh, a band has moved me like this. And what I found that's interesting about them is, yes, they have this reputation of being doom and gloom, but there's a lot of pop happiness in there too. You have to find yeah. it. And and I think it's kind of speaking of Brian Fallon, it's a little bit like Brian Fallon. In Brian Fallon, always at least leaves you with something positive on one record, and what. On most of the the Cure records, there's at least a, a positive you know song or two on there, but um, it's uh, I, I'm forever in debt to Chris on this one that uh, that he got me into the Cure this much, and I talk about him at work all the time. That my my coworker's a big music guy. I think I've driven him crazy like talking about the Cure, and I blow up Chris's texts and, 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 and uh, every day, every day, still for what it's been at least a month, every yeah, single day. Yeah, Rude, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It's every <laughs> so day. like it and like. I was thinking today, it's like, I can name all their albums in chronological order off the top of my head now, you know, and all this stuff. So anyway, um, enough about me, and, and I know that Chris has, has been a fan of them for a while, and, and I kind of understand how Chris got into them. Kind of, how did you get introduced to The Cure, and, 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 you know, where's your level of fandom at? Well, you know, I've always heard, like, uh, the hits, you know, Friday I'm in Love and stuff like that, but when I really got into them, I think it was around 2000, 2001, uh, my brother, older brother, had just bought uh, Bloodflowers. <clears throat> I was 15, 16 at the time, and uh, I borrowed that album. And uh, it, you know that the, the cover of the album, you see his face, and it kind of looks almost like a little grotesque, you know? So when you put on the record, it is such beautiful music, and it doesn't uh, correspond with how the cover art really is. And that just blew me away. The opening uh, track, Out of This World, is amazing. And that whole album is just one big pile of melancholia, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of just became a fan after that. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a great album. And probably 
some people would say maybe their last great album, I guess you would say. Um, I have a, a live concert DVD. It's called the uh, it's called the Dark Trilogy, and they play pornography, disintegration, and blood flowers. Uh, yeah. All, you know, from beginning to end. So it kind of fits in into that uh, into that mold. So at that point, did you say I'm going to get into them more, and you went backwards, or did you go forwards and get like uh, uh, the next two albums, or did or did you start at the beginning? No, it was more kind of like uh, I had heard a few of them, their songs before, and uh, I went back, listened to Disintegration and stuff like that. But it's just these last few years that I've really gone back to their early discography because I kind of knew that their first two, three albums, they were good. They're like classic stuff. I'm not sure if the sound of those albums are what really speaks to me, though. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think uh, from pornography and onwards, that's when they're kind of like hit the, their stride. So, um, yeah. And I actually really agree with that too. Aside from, you know, the last podcast we did, I told David that, um, basically exact same thing you said, it was pornography on. And for whatever reason, I just went back and started listening more to faith. And so I got to go against what I said last time and say, it really began with faith for me. You know, faith yeah. was just, I think that's a really, really underrated record, which we'll, t- we'll talk about in a little bit, because I think you saw some of the, that was some of the, early, when you first started hearing The Cure become what we know and love. You know, the first yeah. record, like I said, all just, all just post-punk and good stuff on there, but anyway. Yeah, that first album, it's it's a, a marked change they go from that to 17 seconds. Like you said, the, the, the first album is like post-punk and... It's got kind of the jangly guitars. Like I guarantee you, REM listened to that album a lot, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. b- before they made uh, Murmur. And then you go into Seventeen Seconds, and you get into more of the Sith and Goth. I find a lot of the rhythms on Seventeen Seconds to be interesting, kind of the groove to it. Um, the one that I'm the least familiar with is Faith. I, I just I've, I've listened to it a few times, but once they hit por- Pornography, I think it's their darkest album. I think it's darker than um, than Disintegration, and then they had that kind of weird, uh, the top, which I think is kind of a weird transitional album. And then once they hit the head on the door, you had that classic period up until Wish. And then after that, it's been kind of, kind of hit or miss. Have you ever had the chance to see them in concert, Rune? I saw them in 2016, I believe. That was the only time I ever saw them, and that was absolutely amazing. They played for like three hours, and it just the time just flew by. Chris, yeah, you don't think you don't think of them as being a band that plays that long, but they always they always do. And I I saw them at um, I don't know if you're familiar with Riot Fest festival here in the oh. in the U.S. It's, it's a, it started in Chicago, and they were doing Chicago, Toronto, and Denver, I believe. And I think now they may just be going back to just Chicago, but it's an amazing festival. It's a lot of um, it's more geared towards kind of punkish, I guess I would say. Uh, the year that I saw them, you had, or the year that I went to the festival, you had The Cure, Slayer, um, you had No Effects, you had Afghan Wigs, you had Social Distortion, you had Lucero, you had Dropkick Murphys, um, and many other great bands. But mm. that was when I saw them, and it was cool, but they were the final mm. act of the, of the weekend, and that was the one show that... It, Seemed like everybody went to that one. Whoever was playing yeah. against them must have had a small crowd. So my point being, it was just a big festival type vibe. So I, I really want to see them on their their show. 
Did it play right. for three hours uh, in a festival too, or was it a shorter one? It was probably it was shorter, but it was still very long. I, mean, mm. I bet you it was at least two and a half hours. Yeah, you because know, because even that one, uh, David, which I'm sure probably will come up at some point, the one that you kind of got hooked on the um, the Hyde Park, the show. special they did. Yeah, yeah, that one was a festival show, and that was close. That was about two and a half hours. That one, that's and that's a festival. I read one time that they tried to break Bruce Springsteen's concert um, record, and I guess the sound guy was supposed to be the timekeeper, and they missed it by like a minute or something like that. It was like a uh, little well, over four-hour show. But, yeah, you don't normally think of bands like that as, as playing that long. Like I think of Bruce Springsteen, the Almond Brothers, you know, some of the jam bands and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I've got that uh, live at Hyde Park 40th anniversary show. Uh, that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Where they almost do things kind of in reverse. They end with like four songs off the first album, uh, and then end actually end with uh, "Killing an Arab," which is kind of hard to find um, yeah. these days. Which is a, a pretty cool song. But so what we're going to do today is um, we're all going to uh, go through our top ten, and uh, Chris and Rune will probably have a be able to expound a little bit more than I can on some of them, just because it's it's st- so still kind of kind of <laughs> new to me. But uh, since Rune is our guest, and uh, we appreciate him taking that time to come on, we're going to let him uh, count his down. So, Rune, it's all you. All right. So, um, on number 10, I have the saddest and most depressing song that Curie probably has ever written. And it's from the Wish album in 92. It's called Apart. Uh, that song, though, is just it's just basically like crawling around in, in an open wound. It takes... Uh, three minutes before you even hit the chorus and uh, when it does it is it's a beautiful song and i love it i don't listen to it too too often it is it is a heavy song it's a it's a tough one to get through but it is beautiful especially when it finally hit that chorus halfway through yeah i i I like that tune a lot too i um what i really like about that is the during the the verse you have robert smith you know he's got his voice but then the background vocals is robert whispering which I think mm. was such a cool sound. You listen to that close, you can hear him whispering the same words behind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's definitely not a happy tune. Um, not at all. A, a, a lot of them you can't really figure out what he's talking about. I think this one's just look to the title and you know what it is. Just drifting yeah. apart. You know, a couple yeah. drifting apart. <clears throat> and on the number nine, I got the figurehead from uh, pornography. That one is. I think the part that I love most about that one is basically just the, the drumming. I kind of wish that there was uh, pornography had a little bit of a better production, so there was more punch in the drums because that song especially is so drum based and um, sound wise it is kind of weak. I wish that there was a better better production on it, but all in all, it's it's still a hell of a song. Yeah, that pornography album does suffer for some production issues. It's a little muddy. Um, and if you listen to those songs performed live, they, to me they sound better the live versions because the yeah. production isn't as uh, as murky. But yeah, I I think that is, in my opinion, my limited experience. That's the darkest album they've done. Mm. All right, number eight we got uh, from the edge of the deep green sea, also from the Wish album. That one is just it is dark, but it is not as dark as the figurehead. It is more, uh, it's a faster tempo. It's just a cool kind of song. I like, uh, I like listening to that one. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, 
the Wish is one I need to revisit because I never really listened to it a ton. But I, I, I know the song, and if I'm not mistaken, this is when they still play a lot live. But solid, yeah. it's yeah. a solid track. For sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you've got several from that album, and that album to me is a little more poppier and upbeat and positive than than most of the catalog. Yeah, and it's kind of strange because usually I prefer like the dark stuff from <laughs> The Cure, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. All right, what you got um, for number uh, number seven? Number seven, I got Burn, which uh, which is from The Crow, the movie with Brandon Lee. 1994 that's a hell of a song i like that it, it is such a 90s kind of song it is just oozing of the 90s sound and i do like the 90s kind of rock so that one just speaks to me yeah the we both an amazing movie too though so we both i mean i, I love the 90s as well i mean I, it's, yeah. it's really the music i kind of i mean it's really what we grew up in and yeah um, exactly and this song too is I'm glad somebody put this on your list. It, it was one that could easily gone on mine. I know I saw David some songs he was considering. We both had this on there. Um, just dark as hell, and mm. and just the I think it, the usage of it too in the film was amazing. Exactly, exactly. Amazing. I'm gonna say that. Yeah. yeah, when when Brandon Lee's transforming into the figure, the figure when he's coming when he's coming back from the dead to seek vengeance, and, exactly. and I even put on this. I was looking through this stuff. What he says. <laughs> Just paint your face the shadow smile. And when he's doing that, Brandon Lee's actually yeah. putting his face paint yeah. on. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I was going to say that. It fits perfectly in the movie. Yeah, it definitely has a 90 stamp to it, which doesn't bother me. But, I mean, you can definitely tell that's when that was recorded. Yeah. All right. Number six, we got uh, One More Time from Kiss Me. Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful track. I love the guitar. And that weird uh, flute thing that is playing there, it is uh, it fits remarkably well with the song. Um, yeah, I, this one I, I told David when I saw your list, I was like, I'm okay, I'm jealous of this pick. You know, I, I didn't really <laughs> think about that, and and it's definitely one of the, the better songs. We will talk. There's, there's some other kiss me, kiss, kiss me, kiss me songs coming on this this list. I think that could have been a remarkable album. If I had one of their best, if I had just been reduced a little bit, because uh, yeah. there's some filler on it. But this song, like I said, I'm I'm jealous of this one. I I think it's got that peaceful, dreamy sound. Um, Take me into your arms tonight when he says that. So yeah, that's that's a that's an amazing pick. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, stop at number five, and that's uh, cut here. I think that was an original song from the Greatest Hits album in 2001. Um, I always thought that uh, he was singing, uh, singing about a girl about, in this song, but then I did some research, and apparently he's singing about his, a friend of his called uh, Billy McKenzie, and he was a singer in The Associates, and apparently they were friends, and uh, they were supposed to uh, meet for a drink or something the week after, and uh, he just got a call, and uh, Billy McKenzie had uh, committed suicide, so that's what basically this whole uh, song is about. It's a it's a great tune, and um, I happened to get the Greatest Hits album on vinyl actually in the mail yesterday. Um, with um, and this is on there. I listened to it, you know, streaming it or whatever. But um, I think this is like one of the better latter day songs of the Cure. I, I can't argue with this pick at all. <clears throat> hey Rune, let me ask right. you, let me ask you this: Have you ever got a chance to hear? It's hard to find. It's not on any streaming services. It's them when they re-recorded the greatest hits acoustically. 
Yeah, I have the I have the CD, and I think the CD actually uh, came as a double uh, album, and uh, one part was like the original greatest hits, another one was uh, acoustic. So yeah, I heard it. Did you do you do you enjoy it? I love it. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I haven't listened to it in uh, in forever though, because in these days and age, you know, it's basically just streaming. Right. But uh, I enjoyed it back then when I was listening to it. Okay, so your next song is off uh, off disintegration. I see. Yes. Uh, first of all, this is a disclaimer. Like the, the, these next four could basically just be shuffled all around, and it still would be like a good list. These next four songs are so good. But um, number four is a plain song, probably the best opening track ever, in my opinion. That song is so amazing. When it finally hits off. The bass, that wall of bass is so massive, and it's just like a big black hole is sucking you in, and I'm loving it. Great, great pick. And I'll tell you this, um, what I think is interesting, I'm not a musician, and obviously you are, and you'll have a better ear for things. I have a hard time noticing whether somebody is a good bass player or a bad bass player, if I'm just going to be honest. Like, I just, you know, I feel like they're there with the drums, and it just adds to the sound. Simon Gallup is one of the most important bass players of any mm-hmm. band I have heard. First of all, he's got a cool look, cool stage presence, and he almost plays it like a lead guitar at times. And yeah. and like you said, when this kicks in, it, it's great. There's numerous songs where that's the case, but man, I'm a huge Simon Gallup fan now. Yeah, so, well, like when I saw him live, uh, I was paying attention to him too. Like Robert Smith obviously steals the show, but he was uh, he was a good second. He was all over the place, you know. And, he, and like you said, he looks he looks cool too. Well, it's funny. This one is, is going to be on my list too. This is one of the ones where we cross over, and it's funny you talking about opening. I said I just played, could have put a couple notes. I said they've never opened an album better. Um, I put it stunning, emotional, and you know, like we talked like. Like B.J. Barnes says, a new a- album, sad songs, they make me happy. Yeah. Um, it's a great album song to open with, a unique one to uh, open a concert with. But if you get a chance, go watch that Hyde Park show, and you'll see that it makes total sense when they uh, when they opened with it. All right, Rune, so you've got, let's see, you've got four, uh, three left. Yep. And the third one is uh, number three. That's um, The Last Day of Summer from Bloodflowers. Um, I know a lot of people don't like uh, Bloodflowers. That is uh, that I think it's a disintegration light. Um, I love that album. I think it's very very melancholic. There's no real like uh, pop or happy songs on that on that album, but uh, I do like the melancholia of it. And um, the last day of summer, I think that's the combination of what that entire album is trying to be. It's just uh, this beautiful beautiful uh, song. And uh, definitely one of my favorite songs. Yeah, this one this one brings back some memories for me. I uh, I told David, see, I was I was when this came out, I was living in Nashville. I was doing a an internship in Nashville for a record label, and um, I remember this one came out. I think it was summer two thousand, and I picked this up. This this is funny. Uh, so I've been this way for a long time where I listen to all kinds of music. Because I remember that day I picked up in the record store, I picked up Bloodflowers and Motley Crue's The New Tattoo. Obviously, New Tattoo is really a steaming pile of shit, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but uh, but this one, I love this album. 
And like I said, it brings back memories. I, I do. This was definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite on the album. I got to be honest, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Um, and I went back and revisited this one because I, I knew this was going to be on on your list. And like I said, it just this one brings back memories of listening to the album in summer 2000. Such a haunting lyric. It was like the last day of the summer never felt so cold. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's a that's a Robert Smith lyric if I've ever heard one. <laughs> All right, so we've got two left, and um, I was really struggling with these, with like placing these last two because you could put either one there. I ended up putting pictures of you on number two on the second one. It is just a ten out of ten song. It is so beautiful, and I've listened to this song more times than I can count and it still feels fresh it still feels beautiful and I am probably going to listen to this song the rest of my life I, hey I have it as number two as well I, I, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a it's a song that's mesmerizing mm. like that that bass lick draws you mm. in and then it's it's repetitive through the song and to me I almost get almost like a trance with it and uh, it's it's just it's a perfectly written song and I don't know how you can like this band and not have this in your top ten. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that as well. It's going to be on my list. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I just think about the, the this one is another one of Gallup's just great bass lines. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what this is about. I don't know if it's the loss of a loved one, uh, but this is what kind of comes to my mind on this one. I, I told David, I, I, uh, based on something you said. Rune, I guess you're probably what mid late thirties. Uh, mid thirties, yeah. Okay, so I was I was I'm 42, and I remember like I first started getting to them in high school, and I'd I'd had I'd listened to some of their stuff. I think I may even own something, but I did not have disintegration. And um, sorry if I'm embarrassed, David, and people he doesn't want to hear this, <laughs> but I was a high school kid, and I was <laughs> I was at a strip joint, <laughs> and a and a girl. That was just, I still remember, I still, you know, certain things just get tattooed on your brain. And that was one Especially of them. Especially in a strip joint. Exactly. She <laughs> danced to pictures of you, and by far, what still is day, one of the hottest things I've ever seen in my life. And I didn't know what that song was. And I went back, and I I was hell-bent on finding this song, because I had to hear it. And it wasn't just because I was thinking of her, but that's how I first discovered it. And I, I mean, that was... Whew, that's one seductive da- dance, our song for a girl to dance to. But anyway, that was my <laughs> that is that is literally what made me seek this song out and then seek out disintegration, and I just fell in love with it. It's kind of an odd yeah. way to find it, but uh, it's one you don't forget. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's Easter. D- it's easier these days with Shazam and stuff. You know, you can just find it so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had it as my number two, and it could eat it. I toyed with it being number one. But uh, yeah. uh, we'll go ahead and, and break the suspense for everybody, and I'll let you name it, but all three of us have the same number one song. <laughs> number one song is Just Like Heaven. It's basically a, it's a, it's a perfect song. It's a perfect song. It's a 10 out of 10 song. Robert Smith himself said that we're probably not going to write as uh, a good song, as good as this one ever again, when I uh, wrote it. Um, it's fun. It is upbeat. But... Robert Smith, he did something with the chord progression. He added some chord progression to make it the cure, you know, like make it a little bit sad. And um, I don't know, it's just it's just an amazing song. Yeah, I've said before, I, I've said this several times on here. This is this is my favorite song. Not my favorite cure song. It's my favorite song. 
Uh, it's that one that no matter how many times I hear it, I never get tired of it. It's one that I hear it, everything around me stops. Uh, I get chills when I hear it. That guitar intro, I think, is just, it's amazing. I mean, it, it yeah. it's not the most complex, but it's its really, really cool that a one note just up and down the fretboard, I, I think is, I love it. I love everything about this one. The music is actually pretty upbeat. It's pretty happy. Mm. Uh, I, I don't, I, I've, I've listened before and, and tried to figure out what exactly he is singing about. And I guess that's one of the beauties of, of music is you can make it your own, you know, yeah. um, cause you, and I, and I've, I've seen so many songwriters say that, you know, we don't, I don't really want to say what it's about to them because they want you to have your own interpretation of it. And, yeah. you know, you could take this as one of, of lost that he's, that somebody's died and he's missing them. You can take it as, just a love song. It's just the way I make it. That's the way I choose it. I, I choose it as an upbeat, just happy, just love song. Um, that, if nothing else, I, I think of it just because when he says, you're just like a dream. You know, I, I love when he comes out with that. You're just like a dream and follows up. Just just like a dream. I love that lyric. I love that song. I, like I said, to me, it's a love song. That's my take on it. Yeah. And we were talking about the bass in plain, in plain song. But in uh, Just Like Heaven, I think for me, it's just like the synth that is going throughout the song. It is just amazing. Just uh, that makes the whole song. Yeah, I, I always say like there's there's a few perfect songs. I've always thought that uh, Princess Purple Rain is perfect. Yeah. Uh, hearing Amazing Grace on Bagpipes is perfect. Uh, Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. And now I've got to add a fourth one, and that's Just Like Heaven. Uh, yeah, it's, I agree. <laughs> it's just such a good song. And, I was listening to uh, the Dinosaur Junior's version of it today, and uh, and I was like, I don't know why they even attempt it, like because nobody's going to beat the original version. Well, they're not, but that's a good cover. And the funny thing about it is, what I, the one thing I do love about that cover, is the way it stops. Uh, wait, did something happen? You, you feel like something happened to your stereo, or something happened, or the song was cut off. I don't know. Do you have you heard that cover he's talking about, the Dinosaur Junior? I'm not sure. No, I don't think so. Look it up. Dinosaur Jr. did a cover of it, and it's very noisy, like Dinosaur Jr. But I, I, okay, I, I get what you're saying, David. It can't compare, but it's it's a cool take on it. It's not a terrible cover, and I've actually um, I was going to bring this up to you guys while, while since we're kind of in between. I made a Cure covers playlist on <laughs> Spotify, and I was there was a few I was just going to ask you if, if you guys heard. Um, uh, let's see me pull it up. Smashing Pumpkins do uh, a night like this. I haven't, and it's, uh, it's no, it's, I haven't either. It's not uh, it's not Billy Corgan singing. It's uh, James, the guitar player, and then I think kind of the most <laughs> famous one is a love song. Three Eleven did it, uh, kind of a slowed down version, and then Adele did love song, which is good, and then um, uh, Yolo Tingo did uh, Friday I'm in Love. So I've been kind of searching for some Cure covers. So if you're out there and you want to maybe hear somebody else's take on it um that's a good a good place to start but none of them are as good as the originals if i'm being honest um all right so i guess what we'll do is we'll do mine next and since uh chris got me into the cure we'll let him be the, the last one to go um number 10 off the mixed up album is never enough Now there's three or four versions of this one around the the one the mix that i prefer it's called a big mix um, interesting that it's on that album and it's not on any other ones. Um, it's a little bit more of a traditional rock song, uh, and they uh, they play it live a decent amount. And um, 
uh, that mixed up album I actually really like. Uh, the torn down album, which is kind of like a the same thing that came out a few years later, I don't like nearly as much. But uh, are both of you familiar with the song? Yeah, yeah it, I heard it. Yeah, so I'm not, not a huge fan of that album actually. I've, I never really got into it mixed up. I'm not a huge fan of it either. It's okay. Uh, I think there's, some of the songs are really cool, and this song is. Don't get me wrong. I don't dislike it. It just it's never done a ton for me. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right, number nine, uh, a song I think we all can agree is a good one, is a love song um, off of um, Disintegration. Uh, this is it's a beautiful melody. Um, it, it this one uh, this is one of those ones that kind of gets me in the feels every time. Obviously, it's one of their two or three biggest hits. Um, but uh, and like we said, it's been covered by numerous people. Um, I'm never going to turn the radio when this one comes on. I didn't turn the radio before I was a fan of the Cure. I always liked this song. Uh, and it, I know it's kind of a, one of their big hits, but it's still one that I go back to and listen to. Yeah, I, 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 um, I love this one as well. This was, this, was a, this was a difficult cut for me when I was making my list. Um, it's just really, I mean, it sounds stupid saying this because it's in the title of the song, but it is a great love song. You know, <laughs> right. I, 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 I mean, it's title says what it is uh, and broken record here, but another just amazing, recognizable baseline. Yeah, same with me. Like if we were doing a top 20 list, this uh, this song would be on the light list, but not a top 10 for me. Let's see. Number eight off of uh, Wish, Letter to Elise. Uh, I, I just absolutely love this one. I love the lyrics to it. Um, uh, sonically, it's very pleasing. Um, and it's uh, one of my favorite songs off the Wish album. Yeah, this one was on my list too, but it uh, eventually uh, had to leave. But this one was a strong contender for sure. I love this song. Same here. It was a cut. It was one that I had on that I was considering. Um, I think it was kind of one of the tracks that kind of, as they got a little bit more uplifting and on that album, a little bit more on, on Wish. I think this is one that would have fit nicely on Disintegration. Um mm-hmm. I just think that it's a it's a beautiful and heartbreaking song. Yeah, you know, essentially, I guess I guess it's a breakup song, but uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful song. All right, let's see number seven off uh, the head on the door. A night like this. I love groove heavy Cure songs, and this is another groove. This is a very groove song. Um, Simon Gallup does a great job on it. Um, it's kind of a crowd pleaser. Uh, I see that they play it a good bit, and uh, honestly, it I, it's the Head on the Door may be my favorite album. I mean, it's neck and neck with Disintegration. I guess depending on the day, what I want to listen to, uh, it would be my favorite album of theirs. But uh, I absolutely love this song. Yeah, the Head on the Door is a great album. Um, I think was it Push? I think Push is from that uh, that album. It and is that one too. That one too was uh, really. I was struggling. I was like, "Does this stay on the list or does it go?" There's a lot of great songs on that album. For sure. Yeah, I think it probably is. Technically, technically, I got to say it probably is my. Uh, I, I'm like I'm like David. I go back and forth. This is this or disintegration. Mm-hmm. I have to go with this, and the reason being is, you don't just any time put in disintegration. You don't drive around your car with the windows down playing disintegration. Head on the door. I can listen to at any time, and for that alone, mm-hmm. is probably why I go with that one. Um, and a night like this is just one of the many great tracks on this, and it was one that was also in consideration for mine. All right, my next one is off Disintegration, and it's my favorite song ever written about a Spider-Man eating somebody. Is Lullaby? <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it has this this killer mm-hmm. groove to it, and it sounds like oh, this is going to be kind of a kind of almost a sweet sounding song, and then it's just a horrific. It's a, <laughs> the lyrics are horrific, you know, and, and 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 you go and you read the lyrics, and then you hear them, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a this is a nightmare waiting to happen. But uh, uh, one of the standout tracks for me, at least, on Disintegration. Yeah, Disintegration is great. You could basically put that whole album on this list, and you couldn't go wrong. Lullaby is definitely one of the great ones. Yeah, great combination of goth and pop on this one, because um, essentially it is a pop song, the great goth elements to it. And supposedly, Robert Smith, I, I read, has said that that um, most of his songs, uh, this is actually about Head on the Door. He said most of his songs on Head on the Door were inspired by nightmares. And then supposedly this one, he attributes to his childhood nightmares. <laughs> so makes sense. All right, the next song is off uh, the Head on the Door as well. Uh, to me, it may be one of the greatest intros to a song mm-hmm. ever, and that's Push. And uh, the the few concerts I've seen of them, they seem to absolutely love playing this. Uh, on that Hyde Park show, Robert Smith's smiling the whole time. Um, it takes a little while to get to the lyrics, but um, how this was not a hit and was played all over the radio, I don't know. Um, th- this one... I could I could argue I could put this one at number three as high as number three and possibly number two depending on the day. Yeah, the opening guitar riff on this one is amazing. One of the best they ever written, I think. And this song was like I said, it was on my list, but it had to go. But I absolutely love this song. Well, it made my list for sure. It's um, you know, and why it wasn't a hit, David? Just the intro. I mean, if it and that's what I love about the song. But had it been not down to maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. I think it possibly could have been a hit. But I'm glad they left it the way it was and it wasn't a hit because the way it is is perfect. Uh, love this song. Like I said, it's on my list and it's probably one of the more upbeat Cure songs. Right. Yeah. All right. My next one is off 17 Seconds, one of the, their second album. It's a, a Forced and it's probably my favorite song on their first four albums. Um, it, it's some pretty disturbing lyrics on it as well. Uh, this seems to be a fan favorite. It seems to be one that uh, if you're into The Cure, uh, this is one for you. Um, and uh, th- like I said, I really like the groove on that album uh, It's a lot and the rhythms on it. And I think this is the best track on there. And, and, and I think it's one of their best tracks, period. Yeah, didn't they do like seven days or something in the studio? And I think I read that they spent a whole day out of these seven days just mixing and working on this song because they knew that this one was something special. Yeah, I don't remember. And it may be talked about in Lowell's book. I've read that, but I read it when it came out. And I don't know how, I think it's about two years old or so, the book. Mm. So I don't really remember. But this one is, uh, it was a big, it was a big transitional album. If you think about it, going from the debut, we kind of already talked about that. Uh, you know, kind of left the uh, post-punk and just became darker. Started getting into more of that goth sound that they have, and and then it was it was also Gallup's debut in the band. Mm. But it's and it's on my list. All right, my next song is the song that really made me become a fan of the band, so I've got to put it on here. Uh, that's Shake Dog Shake off the top. Uh, kind of a for them at the time, probably their most conventional sounding rock album, uh, given the time frame when it came out. Um, it seems to, whenever they play it, it seems to get the crowd up and going. 
and uh, a fun one. And, and I love uh, Robert Smith's vocals on this one. Um, he's kind of shouting it a lot, uh, which is something he doesn't necessarily do on a lot of songs. So, like I said, it was seeing them play that at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that really got me going on them. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that this one registered so much with you. I guess it is because it's the way that you got introduced to them because this falls in, again, under that category of don't hate it, don't love it. Um, and, and as far as the early albums, probably the only, to me, only weak Cure album as far as the early albums. But there's still enough on it to make me, I, there's still, there's enough on it to make me listen to it, even though overall it's kind of a weak album for them. Yeah, I got to echo uh, Chris here. It's I'm pretty neutral to that whole thing. I, I think it's an okay song. I don't hate it. I don't love it. But, um, yeah. And then, as we discussed earlier, top two, pictures of you, just like Kevin. There's really uh, nothing else to, to, to say. That um, I came really close to putting a jump on someone else's train on there off the first album. I really like it. Uh, I came really close to, um, um, let's see, putting uh, Friday I'm in Love on there, which I think is another great pop song. Those, those were the last two that got cut for me. But All right, so Chris, uh, very interested. I've seen your list. Um, I'm very interested to hear your take on it, though, because, uh, uh, like I said, you're the one that got me into them, and you've listened to them probably longer than, than me or Rune, so uh, I'm ready to hear your thoughts. All right, well, number 10, is I would say, is my surprise pick. Not not just anybody listening, but it's a surprise to me as well, because if we did this a month ago, if we did it when we first got into The Cure, it wouldn't have made the list. But I told y'all I've been listening to Faith a lot lately, and I just think it's a very underrated record. Um, you know, it's... my uh, like Again, I, I, I don't I don't even know if I would have returned this record had you not really gotten back into The Cure, but I did. And I'm like, man, I was sleeping on this. And I had a couple on that of that album that were I was considering for the top ten. One of them was The Funeral Party, and I hated I hated cutting it. But I ended up going with The Holy Hour. And I know it's not going to be the, you know, popular, this may not be a popular pick by people. It's, um... Definitely not one people go, go to. If they're going to go to anything off that, it's probably going to be, uh, was it? I can't even think of what the, the hit on there. Um, anyway, this one, um, I, just, I love the reverb, the echo of, of Smith's voice. Uh, I love this track. I don't know if y'all really have anything on this one. Like I said, I know it's a little bit of a surprise. Well, like, like I said, Faith is the album I'm the least familiar with. Um, it's next on my list to really get into. I've, I've listened more to 17 seconds this week. So, uh, I've heard it a time or two. I, I don't dislike it. It doesn't, I don't remember it, honestly. The only thing that I remember from Faith is uh, A Drowning Man, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great, uh, great song. Uh, I don't remember that song, honestly. I don't listen to Faith uh, a lot. I, I go back and listen to that one and, and listen to The Funeral Party. Uh, the Funeral Party, oh, the funeral party is great. I was saying, that one, that one, I, th- I was going to say, I think that one's right up your alley. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that one too. I have um, at number nine, I, I feel like, honestly, as a look at this, and we've talked about it, I feel like I probably have it ranked too low. Um, but I have Plain Song. We've already discussed the song. And like I said, after we talked about it, I feel like, well, man, I think I may add it too low. But um, <laughs> so number nine, Plain Song. Number eight, one we just talked about on, on David's list, and that's a forest. Number seven is where I'll have one that's not on anybody's list is A Strange Day of Pornography. Uh, it's my favorite one on the record. Uh, it's just a great album. We talked about it. It's super dark. It's gothy. Um, I have no clue what he's talking about on this song. As I have no clue what he's talking about on most of the record, but I, I love this track. Anything on this? No, it's a, it's a great album. It's a great track. Uh, 
you can kind of like put a lot of songs from them, pornography on this list, I feel. Uh, there's a great uh, bunch of songs from pornography. This one is one of them, for sure. Yeah, it's one, it's one of my favorites on there. Uh, along with the opening track. What's the opening track? 100 Years? Um, 100 Years, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that one. Yeah, this is, a, this is a good pick, Chris. Well, no. next coming in, number six. This is one, two, that's not on anybody's list. And to some might be a surprise. I know our, our buddy... <clears throat> David Shannon would is gonna love this one, but uh, off "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me," the Kiss uh, opening track, and after playing song, it's their best opening track in my opinion. And to me, they got we've already talked a lot of dark songs lyrically, sonically, everything about them dark. This is the only one that really comes to mind when I think of just angry. It's pissed off. Um, it makes you feel like somebody, some woman did something bad to Robert Smith in this one because uh, he just lets them have it. Uh, the music sounds angry. The vocals are angry. It takes a long time before it comes in. There's not even a lot of lyrics in the song because there's not much singing in it. But, man, I love this song. I, I could have it at number six. I could easily put this one higher. I could probably put this in. I could put this in my top five for sure. Yeah, like I said, like if I was doing a top twenty list, the kiss would definitely be on that list. I think it's an amazing opener, like you said. But then again, like I feel like every every uh, the Cure album has a great opener. It really does. It's a good point. Yeah, um, this one was kind of a um, left to center pick. To be honest with you, Chris, for for me, and like I said, I've only been listening to them a couple of months. Uh, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. I have like some like conflicted <clears throat> feelings on that album. Uh, it's a double album, and, I'm, and I'm, I know I've said it a million times there, I'm not a fan of double albums usually, and I feel like this one's a little overblown. Uh, they could definitely cut some fluff off of it. Now, if I were if I were trimming it down, I would still leave this, leave this one on here. It just surprises me you have it so high. Yeah, I, I know, it, it's, but it's one that, and it wasn't one of those ones where like last minute I thought on, I mean, if I had made this list five years ago, it would have been on there. It's just one of those ones that I, I remember when I when I first got like, again I was kind of I didn't I wasn't a fan as the albums were coming out the early ones uh, I was I certainly wasn't listening to the Cure in '87 but I got into them in high school uh, this album in particular and this was a song after you know I would say after obviously um, just uh, just like Kevin why can't I be you this was the song and to me I. I this one's really held up well. Next, I went with um, a non-album single, and that is Charlotte Sometimes. Um, I, uh, I've i always loved this song. Very dreamy. I, I almost just feel like this one's uh, it's cold and cloudy, if I had to describe it. Uh, it was released on the uh, Standing at the Beach compilation. And this is another one that's been with me a long time because it's one of the early ones that, that I bought as a, you know, as a kid in high school. It's this one. Yeah, it's funny how popular this song is among people who like rate uh, the Cure songs. Like I was uh, talking with some friends, and a few of them were like, "Yeah, they were mentioning this song." And I'm like, "It wasn't even released on a proper album. It was just a part of a compilation, you know." So it's um, it's got a lot of tension just from coming from a um, compilation. And they were big on that in the beginning. You had uh, you had the Standing on the Beach. You had Japanese Whispers. Um, mm. You know, the uh, Boys Don't Cry was on like a different like compilation thing originally. Um, that was kind of groundbreaking at the time. I mean, when, you know, when you're 
making the bulk of your money off selling music and you're putting <clears> out <throat> these these kind of EPs, uh, which is kind of, you know, people do it now because they don't make they can't make money off selling music and they just record it and throw it out there. But it's interesting, so many of those songs that really weren't on a quote-unquote proper album get so much play in their concerts and are loved so much by their fan base. Yeah, I think if you did that today, you release like a new song on a compilation album or something, it would kind of just drown away because people don't listen to music in the same way anymore, you know? Right. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like Rune. Uh, I, when I'm in this top five, I can I can shift around the order, and this is what number four could easily be pushed higher, but that's where Pictures of You comes in for me. Um, number three... There's another one we talked about because it's on David's list, and that's Push. And then my number two is um, one that I'm surprised, honestly, that I'm the only one that had it on the list. And that's, uh, we talked a lot about Head on the Door, and my favorite one on there, In Between mm -hmm. Days. It's, uh, to me, this is the epitome of happy, sad. Um, and that's the way I always describe the cure, happy, sad. Um, I, I, I just, I love this one. I, I don't know, maybe this is about losing a girl, but the, you know, Lyrics go on, your choice is made. Come back, come back, don't walk away. I, I love this tune. Man, I love this. is This is another one of the Cure songs I'd say is just perfect. I had a hard time leaving it off. I really did. Same. It's another one of those where, like, if, if, the, if, if the list was bigger, I would definitely put it on. This was a really tough list to make, just for yeah, the record. It was. And so, my number one, we already talked about it, number one for everybody is in my number one song. And that's just like Kevin. Rune said it best. It is a perfect song. You cannot make any, you can't make anything better than that. And if that was the only song they ever put out, I mean, then you could say that they had an accomplished career. <laughs> because <laughs> most people can, most of the artists we love can never make a song that perfect. It's really, it's really, it's really what put them on the map over here. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's when they really kind of first blew up because I think um, just like if you if you look at the head on the door, they were known and they were popular, but they were still it was a little bit more underground. Um, people that were kids like us, we weren't listening to songs off just like heaven. We could, I mean, off head on the door, we couldn't. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, head on the door. We we're listening to songs off head on the door. That that stuff it wasn't so much accessible to us. But this was the one when it came out, and it was that pop song. It was that perfect song. The kids like us were seeing it on MTV. And so I think that was kind of like um, like R.E.M., same year, released Document. That was the one that just they, – they already had, had a little bit of success, but that kicked the doors open when they released The One I Love and, and End of the World. This is what did it for them. This was their uh, – The One I Love or End of the World. Take, take whichever pick you want. And then two years later, yeah. they're, they're playing stadiums after this. Um, yeah, and then again, same thing with uh, with REM. It just blew them open, and then REM. You know, we we know what they did after they released that. Rune, what were what were a few of your honor men, honor mentions, honorable mentions? Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> Out of this world uh, is one of uh, that's basically like the first uh, song of Blood Flowers, which really that's the album that I really got into first. That one is uh, is a classic for me. Um, Push, obviously, that was a tough call to uh, to leave out. It's an amazing song. Um, I'm doing this uh, just by uh, I didn't write down anything, so I'm just doing it from the top of my head. And um, Friday, I'm in love. 
that one. I think that's a I think that's a great great song. Even though it's an upbeat pop uh, pop song, and Robert Smith isn't a huge fan of it himself. Uh, I think it's an amazing uh, pop song. I do too, you know, and I think that this one is, uh, and Yamaha, especially David, may may think I'm way off track on this, but I feel like this is their, uh, I feel like this is their REM, Shiny Happy People. You know, REM doesn't love that song. Um, I actually don't hate Shiny Happy People. I know a lot of REM fans would. I think it's a good song for what it is. And it's the same thing I think about Friday in Love. Friday I'm in Love. They're just, they're the same type song. They were they yeah. were having success at this point, and they both just released their radio friendly hit song. Good yeah. tune. Yeah, were, it's just a fun song, you know. There were two later day songs that I really had a hard time leaving off. One off Blood Flowers, maybe someday. Um, mm. I, I love that track, and then obviously I, I always get forget the name of the album off Wild Mood Swings. There's a song on there called Strange Attraction. Uh, it's kind of like an acoustic number that I that I really like. Um, Chris, what were what were a couple that kind of what were some left of center ones that you left off? Well, there's really not other than the funeral party or a funeral party. That's one that was it's left of center that was a tough one to take to leave off. Other ones that, that I hated to cut: burn, a letter to Elise, love song, and one that nobody's talked about on here. Another one that I'd say is a surprise, close to me. I'm right. surprised that nobody nobody I've, talked I've, about that. I've one. got a hot take here. I cannot stand close to me. Well, yeah. and, 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 and I've got a t- hot take too. You're wrong. <laughs> Speaking of close, I was uh, going to include "Close Down" but, uh, from uh, "Disintegration," which is another I, great, I, great a, song. That's, that's a great one. "Prayer for Rain" is a great one too. I'm going to be yeah, honest. Yeah. I think we all three struggled with the same thing. I think we all three, to some degree, struggled with this not being a list made up primarily of disintegration and head on the door. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's there's, fair. There, there's been so, like like in between days. I specifically did not put that on there because I'm like, it's going to look like I only listened to two albums. Uh, and, and and there's like you said between ten and songs ten and thirty, they're all like kind of like right there together. Mm. And and I feel like we've both by like listening to everybody and like oh yeah I had this one on there but I cut it the last second I feel like we were struggling to make to prevent this being disintegration in the head on the door episode yeah for yeah. sure I had to include a little bit from other albums too yeah and I'm I'm looking through and sometimes I forget these I'm I'm looking th- on them um, yeah because head on the door at a time. Uh, I mean, but still, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Even though I say it's not a perfect album, that had, you know, I had a few great ones. Why can't I, mean, I be you? you know? Yeah, and and you know, I, I talked about what really got me into them when I was the songs I loved when I was a kid. This wasn't necessarily one of them, but I said one more time, that's one I'm jealous that I didn't pick. So even though not they're necessarily their the great their greatest album, some of their greatest songs were on. I kiss agree. Me, kiss me, kiss me. Yeah, like I said, there's I, just some fluff that needs to be taken off the top. Yeah, I was just going to say, I agree with David when it comes to like double albums. You should just uh, cut off some of that fat. Usually it's a bunch of fillers. There's very few great double albums out there. There is one song that I'm surprised didn't make our top, anybody's top ten that, that I love. It's Fascination Street. I love I, I did that consider, song. I did consider that song. <clears throat> yeah. uh, I, I definitely considered it. Well, Rune, and boys don't cry. Boys don't cry was a you know it's not left the center, but that's a that's a that's on Spotify. That's her second most streamed song. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's an iconic Cure song. 
Yeah. Um, you know, there's rumors that a new album's coming out this year, and it's been what like twelve years. I mean, it's been yeah, it's been twelve years since uh, Four Thirteen Dream. Um, yeah. Any idea? Kind which, of... Any idea what you guys how you think it's going to sound? I have no idea. Same here, and I un- unfortunately I kind of go like a, a mutual friend of David and ours with the the new stuff. I don't really. I don't listen to it much. I don't give it much of a chance. Uh, it's not that it's bad. It's just, it's not the same for me. Um, and and that, that happens to most artists. I, I don't feel like make great records anymore. Um, very few bands can have a career that's so long where they still put stuff out that you, that you really truly love and look forward to. Um, and I, I wish they fell into that camp, you know, REM fell out of it. Uh, I feel like if you like Springsteen, like I do, I feel like he still makes good records. Um, Iron Maiden, if you like Maiden, I feel like they still make good records. But most people, when they've had a you know, thirty-plus year career, it just it kind of gets lost for me. Yeah, um, their last album is uh, is pretty forgettable for sure. I do think that their self-titled album, The Cure, that came out in two thousand and four, I believe. I think that one has its moments. It's a lot rougher. It's a lot more aggressive than usual uh, Cure. But I think it's uh, it's got its moments for sure. Now, the self-titled one, that's the one I think they all recorded live in the room together. And they brought on some like producers that had been involved in like some of the new metal albums. And yeah, so that, Corn and stuff. Yeah, and so that one had like a, a, totally, uh, a totally different feel to it. That wild mood swings, I, I I like it, and like Robert Smith, like consistently when you read interviews, said he thinks it's like a you know one of the top Cure albums and some of mm. the best songs he's ever written. But you know, unfortunately, after um, 1992, the landscape changed a lot, and um, while they were not like hair metal or glam or anything like that, um, there's the music industry just changed so much and they, they had that four year time frame, which in those days was an eternity to go without releasing, you know, an album. And I just wonder like what happened because their popularity as far as like album sales went down after that. But as, as a touring band, they're, they're, they're still huge. They still can do, you know, 30,000 seat places if they have to. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, we talked, we talked about that, fe- that festival too, right? Fest. Look, uh, it was, it was a sea of people. You know, it wasn't like we're, we're talking about the, the 40th anniversary, you know, they're playing uh, Hyde Park. It wasn't like that. It was right. a festival in Chicago, in right. the States, and it was a sea of people. Yeah, same in Minnesota, in Norway, too. It was like one of the biggest venues in Norway, and they sold out every single seat. Well, I'm, they're definitely, I, I was looking, I have like a, a, a list of people that I want to see or haven't seen, and I've pretty much seen everybody in one form or fashion or the other that I've wanted to see, except I've never seen Aerosmith, oddly enough. I've never seen Pearl Jam. And I'm going to have to add the cure to that list and try to make that happen. Uh, because that Hyde Park, <clears throat> that Hyde Park concert DVD, like I collect concert DVDs. I'm looking, I got a whole stack right over here. That's one of my favorites I've ever seen. And like my wife just walked in one day and just goes, I mean, what's with you and the cure? <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like every day, like there's an album coming in the mail and like, you're watching this concert video over and over again. And I was like, you can thank Chris Gregg for that. Uh, <laughs> but, but which is great because he got me into gaslight anthem and she went with me to see Brian Fallon solo. And now she can sing and knows the Brian Fallon solo catalog as well as me. So who knows? Maybe she'll turn into a Cure fan. 
Well, next up, then I got to get I got to get to work on you to get you to buy into American Aquarium. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Maybe Lucero, something like that, and then she will be able to enjoy those can, shows as can, well. Can, can I just be real honest with you about American Aquarium, and we won't tag them in this one? Yeah. Uh, the the guy that's the lead singer, the way he treats people online is very off putting. He can what? What is that about? Because I heard you talk about that in other episodes too. Yeah, he just gets it. There's not. First of all, there's not a guy more appreciative of fans than him. I, yeah, I that's really true. That's true. Is. That's true. There's there's not one more appreciative, but I think there are probably some anger issues that he has, and when somebody disagrees or says something that he doesn't like, he lashes out. I mean, he really does. There's no agree to disagree. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he he comes off like as long as you like what he's doing and you like what he's saying, he comes off of this as a super nice guy. Uh, take him outside. I mean, very appreciative. Loves his fans, but disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and look out! <laughs> yeah, d- disagree, and it's on. I mean, but uh, I, I it, it surprises me that I don't like them more because I do find a lot of similarities between them and the drive-by truckers. They're great. He's a great storyteller. I, I, I'll admit that. Um, and and even like some of the you know Sunvolt <clears throat> stuff and and uh, and early Wilco stuff, it would fit right in. And and to some extent, some Jason Isbell, depending on um, you know the album. Um, I did save that lamentations and i do have it on my list once i get through with the cure which we don't know i don't know when that's going to be uh but i i feel like they're one of those bands it's kind of like you and i talked about chris there's some bands that so many people talk about and like you know those people are fans of bands you like and just for whatever reason they never have clicked with you and for it they just never have and I wonder how much, like, sometimes I'm like, that guy, he's just such a jerk online. And I know I shouldn't because basically you're able to, to yeah, sink my I, teeth into it. I think that is one of the bands that, and I remember when we, and I don't know if you heard it, Rune, when we gave each other two albums to uh, listen to a band we think you, that you would like. That's why I feel like it kind of almost feels like from, I, when I gave you, I, mean, I gave you American Aquarium and I gave you the Airborne Toxic event because I feel like those bands, they have that, gaslight anthem quality they're they they emote like no others very very um just well thought lyrics um and i think that they don't but all these bands that i'm talking about american aquarium gaslight anthem airborne toxic event almost more than any bands i can listen to their albums and not skip i just love them and i don't know Rune, if you've got into them but airborne toxic event yeah, I heard a few songs of them. I haven't really explored them too much, but what I've heard, I really like. So I Try probably... it, and yeah, and, and if you were to start with one, you might want to even go Dope Machines. It's the last one that they did. It's it was mm-hmm. they wanted to do something completely different. They were just your typical you know rock band, and then they did a basically kind of an electronic album. But it might be their mm-hmm. best one. Well, they have a but, song called Sometime Around Midnight that is just that is like one of the most well written songs I've ever heard. And it's gut wrenching. It's painful. I yeah, mean, that's one of their. That was one of their big hits, though, wasn't it? I heard yeah, that. really, it was probably that. That and they had one called Timeless, but that was their. That was definitely the first one that brought them out, and yeah, it's one that, like I've said before, I feel like we've all been in that situation before. I mean, man, you hit, you feel the guy's pain in that song, and, and I didn't even know until David told me that it was it was a true story. Oh wow! So Rune, this has been a, a, a real pleasure um, <clears throat> to have you on. Like I said, we've. Uh, kind of toyed with the idea of, of, of a way to work you in on one uh, for a while. At least I, I've kind of had it rolling around in my head. And 
uh, I knew this was something that you would uh, be interested in doing, and, and I'm all fired up about the band right now, and uh, I really wanted to do it while it was still kind of fresh to me, and um, I don't see any reason, Chris, why we can't find a reason to have him on again in the future. He did great. No, I'd love to, and he told me why, when we were getting this set up, before when we, you, know, you had to start over, we were talking yeah. a couple of minutes, and he said what has often been said by people. They're nervous about doing it. They don't know how they're going to do, and I always tell them, it's just talk like you would if there's if we're not recording it, you know, yeah. because that's all yeah. that's all we do. And if people like what we do, that's we're not doing we're not <laughs> we're not doing anything creative. We're just talking music, <laughs> and and I love doing that. And it and it is cool. And we probably should do more of this. Listen to have people on and just talk about what they like. And yeah, I think at some time, David, we might even try to do maybe maybe uh you know, nothing else. You can pick a few songs and add whatever you can. And he and I can maybe do something the. Uh, more the atmospheric, the you know, Alcest and Panopticon yeah. and all those type bands. Oh, the uh, death metal bluegrass bands. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> yeah that was. It, he's given me a couple of them. And... <laughs> well, I can just. No, I appreciate hit... you I... having me on. I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it, it was great. And so, uh, since he's our guest, I gave him the honor of picking our uh, song to play us out and. Uh, he picked our, our favorite song by the band we just discussed, The Cure. So uh, here it is, Just Like Heaven. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Chris and I will be back with you next week.